Project Keto, a podcast that teaches the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eat keto long-term. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. I'm your host, Madeline Hewitt. Let's jump right in. Today's topic is all about insulin, blood sugar, and carbohydrates. Insulin is a major hormone. Most people have no idea that insulin is a hormone in the first place or that it's a major hormone. And you do have two major hormones, insulin and cortisol. All of your other hormones kind of trickle down underneath that, like hormones such as estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, all of that. Um, That would actually be below insulin and cortisol. Most people are really surprised to hear that, and when they hear the word hormone, they just think the sex hormones, the big ones like estrogen and testosterone. And I'm bringing this up because if your insulin, your one of your major hormones is off and it's not working well, none of your other hormones can be successful. Lots of people come to me with health problems and they say, oh, well, I've got estrogen problems or I need to do some hormone testing first before I even consider looking at my diet or working on my health. And it might be true that they have estrogen problems or they need to do hormone testing. However, if you still don't fix the insulin issue first, you're not going to be able to repair other hormonal health problems. So this This relates to topics way beyond just keto. This topic today is going to reach people who have a world of health problems, or if you've been struggling with stubborn body fat, or feeling sluggish, or having sleeping problems, a lot of those issues go back to insulin problems. So just to summarize that, you must fix your insulin issues before you can address any other hormone problems successfully. The same thing goes for cortisol, but that's out of the scope of today's topic. So cortisol is just as much of an issue as insulin. Now, when you eat too many carbs on a regular basis, you end up with high insulin. And if your insulin is too high, you store a lot of fat. So if you're interested in decreasing your body fat percentage, you would definitely want to take this serious about checking out your insulin level. This is something that you can go and get done um, through blood work. You would go to a lab and get your blood drawn, and then you get your fasting insulin level. Some doctors will allow you to do an insulin level. Um, Other times, they won't allow you to do that, so you have to find another way, like find a practitioner who can order through life extension or can order labs themselves. And fasting insulin levels are usually pretty inexpensive, like around $30 or so. And when you get your level back, your goal is to be between two and five. Most people are a lot higher than like higher than five. Like you could even be 10, 15, 20, you could even be higher than that. And if you do get a number higher than five, then you just know that you're probably eating too many carbs and you need to adjust how you're eating, bring down the carb load, and your insulin level will begin to drop. Having a high fasting insulin level is a great way to tell if you're on your way to type 2 diabetes. So if your fasting insulin level is up like at 10 or higher, 
you definitely either already have diabetes or you're pretty much there. So it's a great marker for checking that. For today, well, actually for forever, when I'm talking about carbs, I'm talking about foods like grains, fruit, starchy vegetables, sugar, candy, juice, soda, sugary drinks, cereal, low-fat dairy products. And later in today's episode, I'm going to be getting really detailed with exactly which foods I'm talking about. But for the next few minutes, when you hear me talking about carbs, it's from that list that I just said. Now for your blood sugar, this goes hand in hand with insulin levels. Your blood sugar should always be between 70 and 90. So different numbers than the insulin. Lots of people think that insulin and blood sugar are the same thing and that they're interchangeable and they're the same word. They're completely different chemicals. Remember, insulin is a hormone. Blood sugar is the amount of sugar in your blood from when you either eat carbs or you don't eat enough and your blood sugar goes really low. So most people's blood sugar fluctuates way higher than 90 in parts of the day and then drops below 70 um, in a fluctuation or kind of a wave. So last time you heard me talking about the blood sugar roller coaster, I'm going to be talking about the blood sugar roller coaster a lot on this podcast and in any kind of future programs. The blood sugar roller coaster is that that feeling where you get really shaky or agitated or hangry or grumpy or headaches or exhausted or sluggish or you can't focus and you really want to eat some carbs or sugar. Most of us have experienced this at least once in our lives. A lot of people experience this multiple times a day for their entire life ever since they were a child or a baby. So when you get that really awful low blood sugar feeling, If you were to measure your blood sugar, it would probably be somewhere below 70. Then your body is craving the carbs so bad that you eat some. Like you get a handful of Skittles, you have an apple, you drink, you know, some kind of sugary beverage. Any of those things will do it. Then if you were to measure your blood sugar after eating those foods, you would see your blood sugar would spike way up higher than 90. Like, It could even go up higher than 200. And that means that you're going to be putting out a whole bunch of insulin. Then your insulin shuttles the blood sugar into your cells for energy. You feel amazing. You feel great. But pretty soon, like within half hour, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, depending on how your body is working, Your blood sugar plummets back down below 70 and you get that horrible feeling again and you have to eat the carbs. Then you eat the carbs and your blood sugar goes up really high. You feel really good for a little bit. Then it comes back down. And this can just go on and on and on throughout the day. And because of this, um, that's why lots of people recommend that you actually eat lots of snacks throughout the day and that you eat lots of carbs to quote-unquote, balance your blood sugar. Well, you're not balancing anything by doing that. You're actually encouraging a big wave, a big roller coaster for your blood sugar and your insulin. If you just didn't eat any carbs or you ate really low-carb foods, 
your blood sugar would naturally return to that 70 to 90 range where your body is most functional and you wouldn't feel those highs and those lows and you would your body actually would prefer that most of the time let's just review one more time five steps to how your blood sugar and insulin works step one you eat some food with carbs and sugar step two your blood sugar rises probably above 90 step three your insulin is secreted to move the blood sugar into your cells where it produces energy and that's good you want that to happen insulin is a good thing in this case now let's say you ate way too much carbs or sugar well, you can only fit a certain amount of blood sugar into the cells whatever is left over that doesn't fit is still out there in your bloodstream now your blood sugar will drop after your insulin is secreted that's step four and step five is what happens with all the extra blood sugars so remember only a certain amount of blood sugar can get into the cell on step five all of that extra blood sugar is turned into triglycerides in the liver so we've all heard that you shouldn't have high triglycerides or I guess I should say lots of people haven't heard that lots of doctors don't bring up your triglycerides when they're looking at your labs um, but triglycerides are going to be real important the recipe for inflammation in your body is high triglycerides, high fasting insulin, and chronically high blood sugar. So if you're working on avoiding inflammation or avoiding heart attacks or heart disease and those types of things, then you would want to really work at decreasing your insulin level, your blood sugar level, and your triglycerides and you can do all of that by just decreasing your carb intake now if this is brand new information to you you've never heard this before I would recommend that you stop right now go back to the beginning of the episode and listen to this again as many times as it takes until you could actually recite the information out loud you could teach your friend or your partner or your kids what I just said or your dog if nobody's there but actually practice saying this out loud otherwise it's so easy to misinterpret the information or completely forget why carbs are important when it comes to keto so we can see we're not labeling any foods or food groups as bad evil unhealthy horrible foods that you that nobody should eat that's not what keto is about when when you hear people talking about decreasing carbs in keto they'll be talking about really healthy foods like sweet potatoes and beets those are carbs and there are a lot of health benefits to those foods but if you're experiencing high blood sugar high insulin levels and high triglycerides then for a period of time those kinds of foods aren't going to work for you and they're not going to give you any sort of favors and they're probably going to hold you back from getting the benefits that you really want so let's move on to 
a lot more detail on the foods that increase insulin levels, starting with sugar. Pretty big word there. Sugar includes white sugar, like cane sugar. That would be the most common sugar that most people think of. It includes beet sugar, fructose, sucrose, dextrose, high fructose corn syrup, and I'm also going to lump in artificial sweeteners like Splenda, Sweet and Low, NutraSweet, Equal, Aspartame, Sucralose, Saccharin, Neotame. These foods don't directly increase insulin levels, but they create so many other problems in your body that they should be completely avoided. Now, when you hear about the word stevia, that is not a sugar and it's not an artificial sweetener. We'll talk about stevia in a few minutes, but stevia would be a wonderful replacement for all kinds of sweeteners and sugars. Now, most foods that would contain sugar would be foods like candy, frosting, most types of chocolate, sweetened flavored yogurt, salad dressings, some seasonings and spice mixes, barbecue sauce, ketchup, soda, juice, ice cream, popsicles. A lot of that is obvious, but a lot of it is more discreet or it's hidden, like those sauces. If you buy barbecue sauce, you have to be careful. Um, salad dressings can be really healthy, but they can also be loaded with sugar. So everybody should get in the habit of reading every single label that you are going to be eating out of. When you're at the grocery store, lift up the product you're going to be buying, read the ingredient list. And if there's any of those sugars or artificial sweeteners that I already said, or any ingredients that end in os, like dextrose, fructose, O-S-E, that means sugar. We'll also be avoiding natural sweeteners like honey, maple syrup, molasses, agave, those types of things you would not want to be having. Starchy vegetables would be foods to avoid or decrease significantly. Starchy vegetables would be foods like sweet potatoes, potatoes, yams, carrots, peas, beets, winter squash, parsnips, corn. Corn is actually a grain, but lots of people think that it is a starchy vegetable. And we're also going to be avoiding legumes. Black beans, kidney beans, navy beans, pinto beans, edamame, all of them except for green beans are not starchy and they're not really considered one of those legumes. Baked goods. Let's avoid anything like bread, bagels, scones, muffins, toast, English muffins, rice cakes, donuts, cookies, brownies, cake, rice krispie treats, pancakes, waffles, all of that stuff. You don't need to be eating that or you can find ways of baking where it's not going to be a high carb type of experience. I've got recipes on my Instagram and you can also just look up recipes for pretty much anything for a keto style or a low carb or gluten free style of of those foods. You do have to be really careful and not trust every single recipe you find out there because a lot of them will replace gluten or will replace carbs with more of an unhealthy ingredient that you shouldn't be consuming anyways. 
but I put quite a bit of that on my Instagram. So if you're looking, then look up the Project Keto Podcast Instagram and start looking through those photos for recipes. Chips. Avoid corn chips, potato chips, rice chips, bean chips. You would be avoiding conventional yogurt, milk, kefir, even the dairy-free ones. A lot of them are really high in sugar. So you have to look at the ingredients and the carb, uh, carb contents on the back. Grains. This would include rice, quinoa, couscous, cereal, oatmeal, granola, porridge, cream of wheat, grits, pasta, corn wheat, buckwheat, all of that, amaranth, all of that needs to go. Most people really cannot digest grains anyways. So even if you were cycling carbs in on occasion, Grains are not the best choice. A lot of people just get such bad leaky gut syndrome and brain fog and skin reactions and hormone problems and bloating and gas and diarrhea and constipation from grains. It's just best not to be eating those even if keto isn't an interest of yours. You should also be avoiding packaged foods that are labeled gluten-free, like cookies, bread, pasta, muffins, cake, all of that stuff. Don't buy things that are labeled gluten-free unless it's actually a gluten-free food, like a vegetable, like broccoli is obviously gluten-free, or olives. Those types of things are naturally gluten-free, but it's just not a good idea to buy packaged foods even when they're gluten-free. Fruit. Now, fruit can be a really healthy food, but it does raise your insulin levels. So you could be avoiding all fruits, or if you're going to be eating fruit, then go for the berries like blueberries, raspberries, those types of things, especially if they're organic. Those can be pretty low in carbs. And then the last one is to avoid too much protein from meat. So if you eat really large servings of protein, that can turn into glucose and that can spike your blood sugar in most people's bodies. For most of us, eating about 20 grams of protein or meat per meal is a good amount. That might look like about a quarter pound or so. For very small people like me, I'm about five one and a half, and I'm a pretty small person. I can eat even less protein than that and feel really good, like maybe 15 grams. But it's never going to be a good idea to have this massive amount of meat on your plate, like 16 ounce steaks. That's too much. That's just going to be too much food. Now, even though a lot of foods might be labeled as natural, organic, gluten-free, healthy, low-fat, they're endorsed by the American Heart Association, or they just appear as a healthy food, if they contain sugar, even if it's natural sugar, it will not be helpful in reducing your insulin levels. So let's flip the coin here and talk about foods that help lower your insulin level. Moderate amounts of protein. I just told you about how much protein would be a good amount. And when you're going for protein, I suggest looking for 100% grass-fed or pasture-raised beef or lamb or bison, free-range chicken or turkey, game meat, wild-caught fish, eggs from free-range chickens, pea, 
slash hemp slash cranberry slash rice protein powder. So I'm going to say that again. If you're having protein powder, it should be from either pea, hemp, cranberry, maybe rice protein powder, and not from whey or soy. Whey protein spikes your blood sugar significantly and spikes insulin levels. Grass-fed collagen or gelatin is also a great source of protein. Now, most of your carbohydrates and most of your your bulk of your food should be coming from non-starchy vegetables. This would be foods like asparagus, bean sprouts, celery, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, cucumbers, eggplants, green beans, jicama, kale, all the other greens like mustard greens, Swiss chard, collard greens, beet greens, escarole, lettuce, mushrooms, okra, onion, garlic, chives, leeks, peppers, radishes, snap peas, pea pods, spinach, tomatoes, water chestnuts, zucchini, summer squash, and spaghetti squash, and so much more. So you might have noticed that's the largest list of foods that I've said this, this whole time. So if you're thinking, oh my God, there's nothing I can eat, that's not true. Non-starchy vegetables are probably the largest variety of foods out there, and it can be really, really fun to start to get to know all of the different non-starchy vegetables and start to cycle them into your diet. Or if you like to keep things simple, choose a few that you really like, like broccoli or cauliflower or green beans or spaghetti squash, and just amp those up as much as you want. You could even aim to have 8 to 10 cups or 8 to 10 servings of non-starchy vegetables a day. When you look at your plate of food, you should see almost the entire plate is made up of the non-starchy vegetables with a small little portion of meat, and then everything has got oil or fat on it. Another food that helps lower insulin levels are good quality oils. So that would be oils like, all of these should be organic, but coconut oil, pasture butter from grass-fed cows, pasture ghee, raw cold-pressed sesame seed oil, never heat that, Um, extra virgin cold-pressed olive oil, never heat that, same thing for avocado oil, never heat that, or lard from grass-fed animals, bacon fat, chicken fat, beef fat, all of that can be really, really good, pork fat. Now, if we're looking at more fats, this would be foods like avocados, olives, canned organic full-fat coconut milk, raw organic nuts and seeds, raw organic nut butters, homemade coconut kefir. And then when we look at the sweeteners that help lower insulin level, there's two that are the best, stevia and monk fruit, M-O-N-K fruit. Stevia can be a little bit gross or icky for some people if you choose the wrong brand. Lots of brands of stevia are super bitter and have a very unpleasant aftertaste. So I recommend that you go with the New Naturals brand, N-U Naturals. They have wonderful stevia or you can also grow your own stevia plant. It's a it's an herb type of plant and you can make your own stevia if you are a really fancy person and you like to do your own things. Stevia is just an herb, so it isn't some kind of fake al- alterated scary substance. It's just an herb. And 
stevia, like liquid stevia, is similar to something like vanilla or almond extract, where it's a liquid that's been um, like submerged or soaked with the stevia plant. And oftentimes it's alcohol, it can be other liquids as well. Other foods that can help lower insulin level would just be something like fat bombs. You don't think that you have to completely deprive yourself for the rest of your life from sweet tasting or fun foods or dessert-like foods. People are most successful when they continue eating treats as they're needed, but they have to be the right ones. So fat bombs are just kind of this fun term in the keto world that refer to these little treats you can make yourself or sometimes you can buy them. And they're usually made up of something like coconut butter or coconut milk or coconut oil, cacao butter, uh, cacao itself. And then they're usually sweetened with stevia or monk fruit. And they're just like these little truffle-like fat bombs you can make. They're pretty easy to find if you look up recipes. And I highly recommend Leanne Vogel for her recipes. Her website is Healthful Pursuit. That's her blog. And she's got a lot of great recipes. And then some extra foods that could help decrease your insulin levels would be things like bone broth. If you make your own bone broth, I have information about that on my Instagram. And fermented veggies that you make yourself or fermented coconut milk, which I've already mentioned, that's kefir that you can make yourself. Those are all wonderful foods. So as we wrap up today, just remember that once you start mastering the keto diet, you'll actually realize that your variety of food choices increases dramatically and you have so many more foods that you like and that you make and that you go for and you're not going to be on the blood sugar roller coaster. So the worst part about you know, just trying to cut out carbs is if you do already struggle with the blood sugar roller coaster or you have a really high insulin level. So if it feels like it's difficult to just cut out carbs in one day and just do it cold turkey, then what you should do is start to swap out all of the grains and all of the sugar for non-starchy vegetables and berries for a couple of days. Then you can decrease the non-starchy vegetables and the berries significantly until you're really comfortable with that kind of plan. Also, you need to up the healthy fats if you're going to be decreasing the starches. Up the healthy fats, but also really boost up the non-starchy vegetables. And then you're going to feel great and you'll start to really enjoy what you're doing once you get the hang of it. Now remember, if this is all new for you, you might decide today is not the day to implement any changes and all you're doing right now for season one is gathering information. Now if you'd like to follow along with extra recipes and inspiration and photos of meals and food ideas, then follow the podcast on Instagram. You could just look up Project Keto Podcast, all one word on Instagram, and also like the Facebook page, Project Keto Podcast on Facebook. You can find more information in the show notes at www.projectketopodcast.com. And I also want to remind everybody that you get 15% off Keto Mojo Kit. 
minutes. The Keto Mojo is the, the little device that you can prick your finger and measure blood sugar and your ketones yourself at home. So if you've been thinking today, wow, I don't even know if I'm on the blood sugar roller coaster because I don't measure my blood sugar. Well, then you would definitely want a Keto Mojo device. I'll be talking way more about this in the future, but if you're just ready to go, then look in the show notes for that discount code 15% off Keto Mojo kits. That's all for today. Good luck with all your new changes, and I'll catch you next time. 